We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. And good morning, everybody. It's great to have you back on another edition of The Connection. I am one of your hosts of this program, Ann Baldwin. And Lisa DeMattis-Lapore will not be with us today because she is on a much-deserved vacation, as are a lot of people at this time of year. So we hope she's having a great time, but we've got a lot to talk about. And one of the big things that's really kind of pushing my buttons and uh, I think people really need and deserve a longer form conversation about, and that's our state's budget. I mean, it's just unbelievable um, what is happening. The fact that here we are, the session is over, summer's almost over, and we still have no budget. And I am seeing firsthand as someone who, you know, in my business, I do public re- relations, but you know, in a lot of cases, this has really turned into another expertise of mine, and that's crisis communication. I work closely with the folks in, in public education, and they're in the same spot as a lot of other people are, and that is our nonprofit community. So Dr. Kathleen Savino is here with us on the show again. She's been here previously, but, you know, Kathy, I just want to talk to you as the chief program officer for The Connection, you know, about the impact of this. And we've also got John Carl Casa, who is the president and CEO of the Connecticut Community for Nonprofit Alliances. And, you know, you guys are kind of all in the same boat. And I want to start with, if we can, with you, Kathleen, and just tell us, you know, where are we at? Where are nonprofits and where's the connection at right now with this uncertainty? It's not only, you know, you know there's going to be cuts, but you don't even know where or what or when. Everybody's in this limbo. Yeah, it's been really difficult for all of the nonprofits and, and specifically at the connection. You know, we're working very diligently with our funders, the state agencies, who I, I have to say are trying to do a really nice job of of helping to buffer some of these cuts and to give us the information that we need as they get it. But they're also faced with having to make cuts that frankly they don't really want to make either. They understand that the services to our clients are so important. Um, but we right now are facing a time where we know that the cuts that are being proposed will require us to modify services that will impact our clients. We may have to uh, reduce uh, the number of services that we're providing. Certainly we have to, um, we have to cut from somewhere. Right. And let's talk about who those clients are. John Carl, let's uh, let's bring you into the conversation again. Um, uh, John Carl Casa is the president and CEO of Connecticut Community and Nonprofit Alliance. Let's talk about who we're talking about. Who are, and I don't mean to stereotype, who are these people? Well, nonprofits serve a variety of different kind of clients and work with a variety of state agencies. Uh, all of them are feeling the pinch of the state not having a budget in place. Uh, because of the low funding levels that, that by necessity, have had to been imposed uh, because of the lack of a budget. Uh, there have been cuts in furlough days for people who have developmental disabilities. There have been 
reductions in programs for folks who are making a transition from incarceration into the community. Uh, DFS, the Department of Social Services, has eliminated 18 programs, including things like soup kitchens. Um, and um, as Kathy was saying, uh, programs funded by the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services are also on the chopping block, including programs that are dealing with the tide of opioid addiction that has been killing folks in Connecticut by the day. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading this article that uh, appeared recently, uh, Mark Davis, who is the um, chief capital correspondent for News 8, you know, and he, and he talks about the fact here, as you just mentioned, John Carl, the, the soup kitchens are closing, but also um, a lot of these programs are talking about, you know, shutting their doors, closing, and may never reopen. So it's one of those things where, you know, you may close your doors and then that's it. So who falls through the cracks? It's the residents and the, the people in need of these services. And you think about the impact because you talk about, you know, the the community justice program or you talk about these people with you know various types of disabilities or they just they need a temporary place to get the resources they need to be a productive citizen when that all goes away what's the impact to our society where do these people go kathy yeah it's actually really something that we're struggling with it's twofold here because we work so hard in this profession to break down the stigma that's associated with folks who struggle with mental illness and substance use disorders or have been incarcerated and then we get in these fiscal times and that sort of ramps up the discussion of what happens to our society if we let these folks out without services so it's it's a double double-edged sword we're we're really um, impacting the view and we don't want to scare people because we don't want to again put these folks behind the eight ball even further and, and stigmatize them even more than they already are. At the same time, we do know that the services provided to these individuals are critical for helping them move forward and helping them um, avoid relapse or rebound from relapse or reintegrate into society. So it's a very difficult situation to be in. You know, and as a person uh, myself in recovery from alcohol, it's one of those things where I had the financial resources, thankfully, to pay for those programs to make sure that, you know, I paid for a bed in a rehab facility that I was, you know, going to be in. I can't imagine where I'd be today. And then my aftercare program, right? So having my plan and having those resources available to me um, after the fact, I know where I'd be if I didn't have that. But I could pay for it and some people can't, you know, and that's one of the things. So many people, you know, do fall through the cracks. And how unfortunate is that? John Carl Costa, I want to ask you a question because you represent the Association of, of Nonprofits. So how many folks do you represent? And I'm sure as kind of their fearless leader, especially in times like that, you've all come together. You've had correspondence. Where are you guys at? What are you telling your agencies and your members to say? What are you asking them to do? What can we do, if anything, about this budget situation? Well, we have several hundred members statewide. And if you talk about folks that are not part of our organization, that are nonprofits, they're probably over a thousand statewide. And what we're asking them to do is to be in touch with their legislators. Uh, we're asking not only the staff folks to do it, not only the chief executives, people running the organizations, we're asking that their staff contact their legislators, that the people that they serve do that, and that their members of the boards of directors also get on the phone or send an email explaining exactly what the real human life costs are of these cuts. Um, you know, we've had programs, I think you touched on it before, Ann, uh, there are programs that are closing that aren't going to reopen. We know of uh, 
developmental disability uh, facility that runs group homes. They're closing four of them. Um, there is a, or an organization that's been around for 30 or 40 years provide, dealing with um, community justice and getting folks back into the community. Uh, and that organization's closing its doors. There have been years after year after year of funding problems uh, from the state and federal governments to nonprofits. When this hits on top of all of that, when these cuts hit, it has had a devastating effect. And I think you're seeing programs end. And, you're, and what that means isn't programs end as an abstract thing. It means programs that help people, programs on which people depend just aren't going to be there anymore well let me ask you this so you, you're asking people you know call your legislator but are there you know are there certain people because i think the legislators know the situation we're in i think they know that you know everything from public education to nonprofits and everybody in between you know it, everybody's sitting out there in limbo i mean right now school's ready to start you've got teachers that are tenured wondering you know should i even put up the abcs in my classroom because am i going to be a teacher you know johnny smith says you know this is going to be your teacher, but yet the teacher's not there because these budget cuts are still in limbo. There's just so much uncertainty, you know, and one of the things that we talked about, you know, Kathy, is the fact that the connection is at least in a better situation because um, part of your business plan on behalf of Lisa DeMattis Lapore is that you've diversified your services and programs, you know, and I guess in these situations, especially, that's a good thing. It is a good thing, and we're fortunate in that uh, in that regard. But we are still facing pretty devastating cuts, and um, as John Carl mentioned, we will face uh, potential program cuts. And and if that happens, those programs go away. Very rarely do you see when a budget then is agreed upon and passed that they say let's restore these these programs that have gone away. They often don't do that. And so even though we are well positioned <clears throat> to absorb some of these cuts or to sort of uh, address them in a way where they're not as impactful in terms of closing big programs. We are going to, to uh, reduce client services. There will be some impact. And, and we can't really stress enough that we need a budget passed. People depend on this. People's lives depend on this. We have clients telling us that they're so fearful that their recovery is in jeopardy because they're afraid they're not going to access the services or the services are going to be gone. So just the stress of the budget yeah. is impacting our clients. Well, and, and I can see it trickling down. I see it trickling down in my business, too. You know, with all this uncertainty, we're all impacted. I mean, from the housing market to real estate people to, I mean, every business. So where are these people? I'm going to editorialize a little bit. So figure it out, get a budget passed. But yet, where are they? You know, the session's over. There's, they say there's a few people behind closed doors trying to figure this out. We'll figure it out. And you really have to look, and that's the thing I don't think that the public looks close enough at, is the real-life person impact, you know, and the impact that you nonprofits have on these individuals on a daily basis and the impact that this budget cut will have on these same individuals should these resources go away. John Carl, let me ask you. So as you talk with your nonprofits, what are you seeing that the potential impact could be? So what scares you? What keeps you awake at night when you say this could happen or that could happen? What are the stories that you're hearing from your nonprofits? Well, as I was saying, I think pro as, as programs end, people go without services. Um, you know, we have to always be careful about how we describe things. But um, just as an example, um, if a person is getting out of prison, 
they're going to want to have the ability to look for and be placed in a job. If a program has been cut back um, and that person is unable to find a job, it's bad for the, the individual, um, and it certainly uh, pose, at least poses questions about what can happen down the road. That's just one example. You have folks who are dependent, uh, families are dependent on uh, DDS programs uh, for caring for members of their family who have developmental disabilities. If those programs aren't there, the progress that uh, the recipients of those services have had um, could stop. Could go back or could go backwards. Yeah, and so then what happens to these people? And I remember back in my Channel 30 days, I remember uh, sitting in the news car in Middletown, and I my observation was that there were a lot of interesting people walking the streets of Middletown. And I don't know, you know, if that was a fair observation or not, but that was kind of pre all of these programs where you get the resources for these folks that get them to the next step. And people may think, well, you know, why do we need that? They've been in jail, so what good are they anyway? You know, you can't throw a life away. You want these people, and many of them have the abilities and the desire to become, you know, good citizens and, and good, successful, and contributing members to, of our society. So if we don't have those programs for them, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to our, our crime rate, our homelessness rate, you know, the drug rate? I mean, every every bit of progress I think that we've made in the state of Connecticut, whether it's public education or whether it's services and programs, is going to go down the tubes if we don't at least maintain what we've already built here, right? Yeah, you know, I think one thing that legislators need to do and that people can uh, point, that people can impress upon their legislators um, is that this is a priority. Um, I know folks are concerned with other things, uh, uh, other aspects of the budget and programs funded with the budget. But I think people need to realize now that there is a human toll that is already taking place for recipients of services through state agencies uh, because the funding isn't there to provide those services. And that is only going to get worse and worse as it goes on. Um, we have, we've offered an idea to legislators uh, and the governor's office since January about the ways in which less expensive programs run by nonprofits can save the state about $300 million over the course of the biennium. That money could then be taken and put into human services. Now, it will be more difficult, uh, but not impossible, with the CBAC agreements in place, um, but it does point out that the state is yet to do all it can to save money. But the people served by nonprofit providers are being asked to do without. Yeah, I think what's also, just to piggyback off of that, uh, make a fantastic point. We know that the services nonprofits provide are cheaper alternatives. And so if we eliminate services, we are going to see people recycle into services that are much more expensive. So uh, do we, you know, if we don't have services in place and someone uh, recidivates and they end up incarcerated again? That's more costly than providing a service to get this person on the right path and, and contributing to society. Uh, we also can uh, recognize that with state hospitalizations or use of the ER. So I think that you know, there's the, while we don't have a budget here and we're cutting services in one area, we might be just increasing costs in another area that, that tend to be much more costly. 
And if you're just tuning in, we are talking with Dr. Kathleen Savino. She is the Chief Program Officer for The Connection, which is based out of Middletown. And we're also talking with John Carl Casa, and he is the President and CEO of Connecticut Community Nonprofit Alliance. You know, one of the other things is, um, I've seen this just from the outside looking in, uh, and I'll throw this out to both of you, is that there's already a collaborative effort. You know, you've got Demas, you know, at the helm, you know, that's helping fund a lot of these programs, but there's federal grants that people are really aggressively going for. I mean, in my opinion, thank God for the federal government or Connecticut would be going down the tubes because at least the federal government is, is, is supporting some educational programs and some programs. But, you know, you guys have already kind of pooled your resources, right? You already have these, you know, strategic alliances between nonprofits where you're trying to help each other out and do things as cost effectively as you can. This is nothing new to you to try to save money in your programs. No, unfortunately, we've faced cuts over the years. You know, we really rarely see major increases in funding for nonprofit services. So I think um, John Carl could speak uh, much more eloquently, I'm sure, about this. But over time, over the last decade, we're con consistently asked to do the same or more with less. So let me ask you, John Carl, because you just heard, you know, Kathy say that, you know, they've ne you've never really experienced increases. So something's better than nothing. You've got the mini budget out there. People hear nonprofit. They think you don't need money to operate. So so what's your feeling on all that? Would you like to see this mini budget become reality, at least get something in there? Yeah, you know, there are several choices that the legislature has. It could do a budget that just deals with human services. It could uh, move forward with the proposals that I just described that say, okay, we're going to save $300 million over the course of the biennium uh, by moving more services to nonprofits and then take that and fund nonprofit services. Um, or it could do the mini budget as proposed by the governor. Uh, which funds nonprofits and social services at a higher level uh, or at higher levels uh, than does the executive order we're functioning under. Um, the worst option um, is what we have now, which is no budget at all. Right. And I mean, you know, I know we only had a crystal ball, right? How long is this going to last? And what is the impact on nonprofits the longer that we, you know, sit here with not without knowing? It's clearly going to get worse and worse. Um, for folks that deal with mental health and addiction, um, they've been told already that the 2.5% across-the-board cut to their contracts is going to continue to increase until it's around 10%. Um, when that happens, you know, you're going to see program closures. You're going to see uh, changes in levels of care. Um, it really is uh, giving people with treatment no options or folks will linger on waiting lists um, it's just not not a good situation for people in need connecticut has had a great tradition a bipartisan tradition about caring for people who um, are vulnerable and that tradition though and those people uh, are in danger right now so we talked about the impact on the patient Let's talk about the impact on the employees. I mean, how many people work in this field? How many work in the nonprofit, you know, field? And, you know, the uncertainty there, too. You know, that's not a that's not a good thing. I mean, how much do you put into your job when you don't know if you're going to have a job the next day, right? So what about that, Kathy? Yeah, I, I think that was just mentioned. As we progress, particularly the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services, as it was noted, indicated that we'll 
gradually uh, increase the cuts to 10% if there's no budget. And, and that will close programs. That will impact staff. Certainly what we're trying to do on our level is to uh, make cuts right now that don't really don't impact client care so we're not eliminating lines mm -hmm. and also uh, that don't impact our staff you know because we don't want to get into a circumstance where now we have to cut staff and they're in a similar situation they don't have a job and that's not helping our communities at all we don't want to do that so we're doing everything we can to try to absorb these cuts in ways that uh, keep the client care going mm -hmm. and keep our staff intact and that's what nonprofits are doing uh, consistently we've been doing that but at some point if as this progresses if we don't have a resolution soon uh, we will have to make some of these dis difficult decisions you know what's interesting to me too is from a public relations standpoint and you know dealing with media people until they see hear, and feel the real impact of what we're talking about so the real story of the person in need of services and because they didn't get those services this happened you know that's so you know we ask that question so people are listening to this and say what can we do you know what you can do is you can you can not only call your legislators because they do listen to that you can call the governor they log those calls but you can also write letters to the editor you can also share your real life experiences and stories about how because you had these services this happened you know it's almost like in recovery you put a face and a voice to it it starts to have an impact you know so jean carl can you can you share with our listeners you know we've got about you know six minutes left in this program a real life example about how somebody is doing what they should be doing today because of these services and how that scenario could have changed without them well there are people being served uh, for instance i've talked to many people several people um, who have services similar to the ones that the connection provides uh, folks who have come out of uh, prisons and have gotten good jobs and have gotten themselves through uh, the work of organizations like the connection uh, back uh, into society and, and have stayed away from the life of crime and have turned their lives around uh, those are the kinds of stories that happen every day uh, we are in the midst of an opioid crisis, and people are dying in Connecticut. They're dying across the country. Um, and for drug treatment programs and the funding for drug treatment programs to be in danger um, at a time like this just seems to be going in the complete opposite direction. So instead of people getting the help that they need with substance abuse, they won't get it. They'll be turned away at the door. Um, and that's something I think that should trouble everybody. Absolutely. You know, Kathy, and it's like people with the connection, I mean, they, they have trained for this. They've gone to school for this. These are experts in their field. You know, I know... I know for a fact, for example, a friend of mine, you know, was just incarcerated for three DUIs. He was in there for three months. He didn't get any resources or training or tools to help him once he got out. You know, so, but this is a guy that, you know, has a future. So I guess my point that I'm trying to make here is, you know, these are resources and these are people that are trained to deal with these specific needs of these individuals. If those go away, these people are just kind of out there like a fish out of water. You know and who knows what's going to happen yeah people are facing pretty significant barriers uh, we know that many of our clients that come through have significant trauma histories maybe things that they haven't dealt with well, these are, are people who made a bad decision or had circumstances that uh, others haven't had to face but they you know deserve an opportunity to 
to turn things around. Oftentimes with services, people do a good job of that. And without services, you know, it's, um, it, it's, it's, it can be devastating for people, and there's certainly uh, a fear of that. So, John Carl, I want to give you the opportunity to give me, you know, what is your call to action? All right, people have listened to us, you know, I, I whined a little bit, but, you know, painting the picture of reality with the budget situation where it's at, where it's at what is your call to action? What do, you, what do you want people to get fired up about? What can we do? People should contact their legislators, and they should ask them to make these programs, programs that help people in Connecticut, the priority uh, when they're making their budget decisions. That really is the number one issue. Uh, there are various ways to do that, um, but the priority should be the people who are most vulnerable. And I think that's the message that folks need to, to be talking to legislators about. But a lot of people think they should be the priority. You know, public education folks think they should be the priority. Is one more important than the other? Well, you know, life is about choices, and the legislators are elected in order to make choices. Um, of course, public education is important, um, but it's also important that people in need be cared for. Um, and I think at the longer we wait, the longer, the worse these problems become. And if taking care of the, uh, those in need is a priority, if it's what folks care for, uh, legislators need to come back to the Capitol and pass a budget that takes care of them. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you so much, John Carl Casa, for being on uh, the program today. It really was enlightening to hear what you're actually dealing with. I can't imagine all these, you know, member agencies of yours, you know, really all facing the same problem. I'm sure the panic and the calls and the concerns are, are just, you know, monumental. So, you know, hopefully next time we chat, things will be a little bit different, but it sure, sure doesn't look good. And uh, Dr. Kathleen Savino, any, any last words for our audience and you know, I mean, you're just trying to keep your head up and survival mode at this point, right? Yeah, we just want to uh, echo the sentiments. We want people to call their legislators. Um, let's so, sort of talk about this now instead of reacting to a crisis that happens later on. Um, let's really address this so we can hopefully get a budget passed and, and uh, you know, get, get a little relief from some of these cuts and be able to serve people in need. And my message? Get your butts back to work. Get back to what I call the big house, the state capitol. Figure it out. Um, you know how how you can even how you can even go on a vacation or, or do anything until you've fulfilled your responsibility of taking care of these programs and taking care of the people who need them for survival and to thrive in our society is just it's mind-boggling to me but that's my editorial content i want to thank all of you out there i hope you'll do what we asked you to do and that is to contact your legislators that's an important priority and thank you for listening to this edition of the connection again on behalf of myself ann baldwin we'll see you again next week same time same place right here on wtic news talk 1080 get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.